The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, I have a surprise for you today, Dr. Kirby surprise. <laughs> yes, hard to believe, but apparently that is his real name, Dr. Surprise. Your patients must, uh, he is a psychologist, and your patients must <laughs> go through all kinds of, uh, the same, the same kinds of stories, not just your patients. I guess everyone goes through these, uh, same lame jokes that I just made. Um, Dr. Surprise has a, has a surprise for us, and, um, that is his new book called Synchronicity, The Art of Coincidence, Choice, and Unlocking Your Mind. And the question today is, are events merely mirrors of your mind? You know how when you um, something happens in your life, you see a sign or, I mean, like literally a sign, or um, just some event happens and it seems to you to be an amazing coincidence? Is it trying to tell you something about your life? Um, did you make it happen that way? All of these things that we kind of shrug our shoulders at and wonder if the universe is trying to tell us something. Well, Dr. Surprise has studied this for um, approximately 30 years and has written an, a very interesting book going back to the beginning of man uh, to try to understand what this all means. Is this just coincidence, these things that are happening, or is the universe trying to tell you something more profound? So, Dr. Surprise, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You know, not leaving your name for a minute, because I'm obviously having trouble doing that, um, you know, when I, I want you to tell us what got you interested in this particular area of study, but of course, being a psychiatrist uh, and putting my guests on the couch as I have want to do, um, it makes me wonder whether, in fact, I mean, that's essentially what you have, what you have studied, or that's a, a large part of it, whether these things you know, whether we should be surprised by these things, whether we have created these things, how to create these things that we call coincidences. So do you think um, that that, your name, has played into how you focused on this as your area of study? Um, at the very least, it certainly didn't hurt getting the book published. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, you had asked me how I had gotten into synchronicity to begin with. Yes. All right, so when I was an undergraduate, I started, you know, and being the, you know, sort of budding junior psychologist I was, um, I was interested in anything unusual, you know, any, I wanted to know how the mind works in general. And I started noticing a few of these coincidences, these outrageous coincidences. Now, as a psychiatrist, you know that we call these thoughts of reference. 
you know, in psychology, which means that somebody believes that an event outside of them is making reference to something they're thinking. And, yes. you know, we have clients who say that the radios and TVs are talking about them. You know, right. the, the announcers are metaphorically commenting on what they're thinking or what they're doing. Or, and, you know, normally in psychiatry we've come to think of these as a symptom, usually of, you know, some kind of schizophrenia or delusional disorder. When I was an undergraduate, I noticed a few of these events around me. And, you know, not believing that I was, you know, schizophrenic or delusional, um, I became fascinated how this is possible. They seem to violate all the known laws of physics and time and space. I mean, how could an event outside of you seem to be commenting on or referencing some internal thought or state? May I tell you a small story? Sure. So um, I didn't know it at the time, but synchronistic events, um, they increase if you pay attention to them. The quality of your attention causes them to manifest more. And so having started to sort of lock on to this phenomenon, which nobody could explain, I mean, Carl Jung said they were archetypes, and other people had religious explanations, but none of them actually have a cause and effect kind of reality to them. They're all sort of mythological, if you will, explanations of how something works. I started focusing on how this might actually work in the world, and they increased until... They were, you know, quite bothersome. It was sort of like not being able to get up in the morning without having them happen. Mm. So um, one day I was driving a friend of mine uh, up to the college for class, and I was going to wait for him. I dropped him off in a parking lot, and this is uh, State University in New York. And uh, I parked the car in a lot uh, with the car, car sort of nosed forward to this long, grassy knoll. And on the way there, we had been making jokes about National Enquirer headlines, you know, uh, Hope has aliens, love child kind of stuff. Because, you know, we used to say that stuff was hilarious. We would love to have been writers for them. Um, and one of the well, things believe it or not, I actually had a column in the National Enquirer for a year oh, called, yeah. maybe you read, called Hollywood on the Couch, um, where I analyzed the celebrities of the day um, to explain why they had gotten into the trouble they got into, which was being written about in that week's issue. So, um, and believe it or not, just as, you know, there were lawyers, a team of lawyers looked over every single word that I would write in my column to make sure that it was true so that they couldn't be sued. Um, so, so yes, I mean, I know that it, back in the day there were more of these alien kinds of stories, but they really, believe it or not, do an incredible amount of uh, vetting because they don't want to be sued. So go ahead. Well, that's a great coincidence. I've never met anybody who actually wrote for them. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's, talk, about, talk about synchronistic events. Okay. Really? <laughs> Go ahead. So uh, we had been joking about uh, this, art, this article where um, a house on Long Island had supposedly turned over on its side during an exorcism. And we, we just thought this kind of stuff was hilarious. So uh, I was parked, and I let him off. And uh, I'm looking down this uh, grassy knoll, and there's a house a small cottage, about 50 yards away. And um, I'm listening to the radio, and lo and behold, toss a reference-wise, um, an ad for the movie Carrie comes on for the local TV station. That's a Stephen, Stephen King novel where a teenager discovers she has the ability to move objects, and at the end of it, she demolishes her family home. So I'm looking at this house, and being sort of the budding psychologist, I'm wondering, how would it actually change you if you could move objects that were that big? You know, because you know, as physical creatures, we're sort of based on operating on the environment. 
And I was wondering what kind of psychology you would have if you could have the experience of not having to get up and do stuff. You could just make things move. So I'm looking at this house, and I'm going, I really would like to know what it's like to make an object move, like in that National Enquirer headline, make it flip over on its side. And as I'm watching, this house starts to shudder on its foundations, and it starts to move, and the house flips over. It rolls over onto its side, and the roof is facing me. And, of course, at this point, I'm like kind of panicked and shocked and don't know what to believe. So I sort of, you know, do a reality check to make sure I'm not asleep. And, you know, um, obviously I don't believe that I actually did that, and, but I'm still faced with the fact that this house has flipped over. So I look at it and I say, okay, let's do a, a test, a little experiment. If I just did that, then I want the house to crush itself into splinters the way it did in the Carrie movie. And as I watch, the whole house starts to shake and the windows start to break and, you know, the walls start to buckle and the ceiling, the roof starts to collapse in upon itself. And I'm panicking because, you know, this is like not reality as I've ever seen it before. And then a moment later, there's this flashy yellow paint above the house and the biggest bulldozer I have ever seen just sort of climbs over the top of the house, smashes it flat to the ground, reduces the whole thing to rubble, and begins loading it into, into dump trucks that I hadn't seen because the house was between me and the construction equipment. Mm-hmm. And I realized, you know, after my you know, immense relief at having an actual real explanation for what was going on, I realized I had just gotten exactly what I asked for. You know, I wanted to know what it felt like to move an object that big. And for a moment, I actually got to experience that. Uh-huh. Synchronicity gave me the internal state that I was thinking about in the external world. Now, Carl Jung, which was at the time the only explanation for synchronistic events, said these are archetypes, that we have no way of understanding them because um, the archetypes cluster events around the external world and around what we're thinking and feeling. So us and the external world are moved by these forms that are somewhere out there in imaginary hyperspace. And he said that since they operate outside of time and space, there's no way to ever see a cause and effect relationship. But yet, I had just seen one. I had seen mm-hmm. what I was thinking, and an event in the environment happened in sort of a linear way. And I realized that, well, if I can draw that conclusion, there must be a linear explanation. There must be a way of understanding it, otherwise I wouldn't be able to see any meaning in it. Yes. So at that point, I said, okay, I just saw part of my unconscious in the external world. The unconscious is actually incredibly intelligent. You know, our brain is the universe's largest supercomputer, basically. So I asked the unconscious, how did this work? You know, show me an explanation of how this process works. And much like people work with dreams, where the unconscious cooperates with the conscious to give people meaning, um, I started following synchronistic events in the environment, understanding, I was looking at my own projections, to look for an explanation of how this worked. And gradually, you know, over the years, um, the psychological explanation fell in place. And then eventually when science came across string theory and started understanding that how the universe operates in infinite parallel probabilities, the model came together. And I realized that what we're looking at is a mirror of our internal states, that in fact everyone, everyone listening at this very moment is walking around in a cloud of coincidental synchronistic events 
that reflect into the environment what they believe, their philosophy, their religious psychology, and their personal psychology, and reflects it back to them. The reason why this seems invisible to most people, except in the most extraordinary circumstances, is because, you know, we believe what we think. You know, if, uh, say, you've had a guest on the show with extreme and strange religious or political views, you may wonder, well, how can they possibly think that way when, you know, they seem rational in other aspects? Well, it's because what they believe gets reflected directly into the environment, comes back to them as meaningful events, which they believe confirms their view of reality. Now, as you know, when we have clients who have delusional or schizophrenic disorders, they see synchronistic events as well. Only the events reflect whatever delusional system or, you know, problems they're having, and they take them as real as well. And part of my work has been working with clients who have developed these personal mythologies, delusional belief systems, and teaching them that what they're actually doing is seeing their own thoughts reflected back at them. And if they're not truly delusional, and as you know, true delusions are extremely hard to treat, if they're not truly delusional, they learn pretty quickly just by being told that they've been looking at their own thoughts reflected to them. And at that point, synchronicity changes from being a symptom of mental illness to being a tremendous opportunity to have some fun in the universe because then you get to choose the patterns you're creating in the environment. Well, yes. Um, you know, this whole, I, this whole thing is, is um, you actually get patients to understand that. I mean, this whole thing is, can be very abstract. Um, I think it will be it will be helped by you giving when we have when we get back from um, this break that's coming up by giving more examples because your book is filled with wonderful anecdotes and um, and I think that that will help people also to kind of get more of a handle on what you're talking about um, because it is really uh, <laughs> at first you know it's kind of um, uh, a little abstract. We've all had had coincidences, but I think we need to now kind of drive this home a little more to make it a little more uh, understandable. My guest is Dr. Kirby Surprise. His book is called Synchronicity: The Art of Coincidence, Choice, and Unlocking Your Mind. This whole thing about events being merely mirrors of your mind is absolutely fascinating. Uh, later on in the show, I'm going to be asking Dr. Surprise whether what the connection is, or if there's a connection, or how he sees it to uh, the law of attraction and whether what the whether there's any overlap and so on. Um, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. 
What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Asking the question today, are events merely mirrors of your mind? And my guest is uh, answering that question. His name is Dr. Kirby Surprise. He's the author of a book called Synchronicity, The Art of Coincidence, Choice, and Unlocking Your Mind. You know, when I started reading your book, um, I was thinking of one of the first examples or one of the first that I can remember of being aware of uh, synchronistic events in my own life. And it was when I was in uh, a kid in camp, and I had a boyfriend named Terry. <laughs> I can remember his name. And we were, we both played, um, we, we were in, we did this uh, play, and we were like uh, the lead characters and lovers in the play, and, you know, had this incredibly romantic relationship. Um, and... We were, but he had a girlfriend. I knew all along that he had a girlfriend, and we were on the, the camp bus going back to town. His girlfriend was named Lynn, and he lived on the island, and I lived Long Island, and I lived in um, in another part of New York. So I knew that the chances of us continuing this uh, this romance this romance um, was not going to be too good once we got home. It was just too <laughs> geographically undesirable. Not to mention his girlfriend, Lynn. And so we were on the bus going from camp to home, the end of the summer, eight weeks. And um, what do you think the name of the truck, uh, there was a truck that we were behind the whole way going from, I think it was upstate New York, I don't remember exactly, but uh, it was for many <laughs> hours we were on this, on this um, highway. And uh, the name of the truck in front of us was called Lynn Lines. Absolutely. So if we, if we go by the assumption that part of the events in our environment are reflections of your thoughts and emotional concerns, that's a great example. You know, it's what you're thinking about, and it's highly emotionally charged at the same time. 
Yes. So we, we, what you're saying is then that, that the way to understand that is that we focus on those kinds of things because those are the things that we, I mean, is that what you're saying, that when we're in our environment, that our, um, what is important to us at the moment is what we are more aware of in terms of clues in the environment? Well, there's two parts to it. You know, um, modern psychology views the brain as an, an immense supercomputer. So the situation that you're in right now is what you're experiencing around you that people take for the outside world is actually not. You're living in a representational world that is built by the brain in memory. So you're taking billions of bits of sensory information, which is all digital, and the brain is taking them and assembling what you're experiencing right now. And there's millions of times more information in the environment than you ever become aware of. The brain's job is to filter out things that, you know, you don't consider are important and to enhance other patterns. Our evolutionary niche is pattern matching. You know, we look out in the environment and we see through the camouflage that everything else is creating. And we do that with this computer system of ours. So what you experience are the things that the automated systems in your brain consider most important based on what you've been paying attention to. So you would have been paying attention to your concerns about Lynn and, you know, her showing up when you go home, and that pattern appears in the environment, partially because, you know, if his girlfriend had been Anne, um, the truck in front of you would have meant nothing, and you would not have remembered it at all, because mm-hmm. there would have been no emotional valence to it, no charge to it. On top of the fact that we're filtering information and enhancing information, there's also about a 5% change in the probability in the outside world. Now, since the 1930s, when Dr. Ryan at Duke University began studying the randomness of coin and dice tosses, we found that people can influence their environment about 5%. Um, In his case, a gambler walked into his office and said, Hey, Doc, I can change the dice throws in my favor. And being an actual scientist, he said, Okay, let's break out some dice and check it out. And he found out that, lo and behold, this guy could actually change the outcome of dice toss is 5 or 6%. So he spent decades studying this, trying to figure out what was going on. And he never found a physical force involved. The changes are actually seem to be done outside of time and space, sort of the way Jung would say, but the randomness is changed. And he found some interesting things. Sort of, if you're going to have someone throw dice 100 times, at the very beginning of that series of throws, their ability to change randomness is very high. Towards the middle, it drops off and becomes actually working against the person. And towards the end, the ability to have the dice coop the way they want goes up again. And what he figured out was he was looking at the emotional and attentional patterns of the subjects. At the beginning, they were very excited about the experiment. They were attentive. They were focused. And their ability to change events in the environment was higher. Towards the middle, you know, like 30 throws in, they got bored. They didn't want to do it anymore. They sort of had a negative attention towards it and their ability went below normal. And towards the end, when they became excited about seeing this again, you know, they wanted to know what the outcome was, the experiment was going to be over, their ability to change randomness increased again. So we realized that what we're looking at is our internal psychological states projected out into the environment. And it's not just dice tosses. It could be dice, it could be houses rolling in a parking lot, or it could be the conversation you're hearing over a radio. And... Um, you mentioned during the break um, the law of attraction. The law of attraction, I don't view things as actually working that way. 
Um, I think that you know the, a lot of the New Agers have come out with a philosophy that we create our own reality. I don't believe that. I believe that the evidence shows we have about a 5% influence on reality. We don't create it, but we have some ability to change the patterns in our favor. And I think that for people who want practical application of this, it's that the environment mirrors very directly what your internal processes are. So the things that you're concentrating on or thinking about, good or bad, tend to occur in the environment about 5% more than normal. So, well, okay, but that's, well, are you saying that's when we're trying to make things happen, like with the law of attraction, or just, I mean, are you saying that, it hap- that we affect the environment f- about 5% regardless of whether we're consciously trying or not? Absolutely. There is some, you know, the, the explanations, there's a string theory explanation, there are various other unsatisfying explanations, but yes. All of your processes, conscious, unconscious, transpersonal, are reflected automatically. Now, because we have some choice about what we think and feel consciously, we have some ability to direct this change in events. But it's not something people have to be trained to do. It's something we already do automatically. Mirrors don't work selectively. They work whether you're you know, trying to look at your reflection or not. And that's the way these events work. Um, you know, we've known for a long time that a lot of clients that come to us with traumatic events will see synchronistic events in the environment that mirror those traumas. Mm-hmm. You know, or people with peak religious experiences will see events change in the environment. It's because all of your processes get reflected automatically. The conscious choice part of this is we get to choose the things that we look for. And to the degree that you focus on a particular pattern, that pattern will show up more often in the environment. But it's automatic. You know, it's not something that has to be trained or meditated for. Everybody does it all the time. Well, then, okay, but do you believe that um, the universe is trying to... Then if, if we're thinking, if you're, you know, if, if you look at it like a mirror, and whether consciously or unconsciously you're thinking about something or paying attention to something... Um, it's going to be reflected, then then that's different than saying that the universe is trying to tell us something. Like when we see something uh, that seems like a coincidence, uh, you know, one way of thinking of it is, oh, the universe is trying to tell me such and such. Um, I mean, are you saying that the universe is trying to tell you that you're that this is something you're, you're concentrating on? I, I mean, uh, well, I, I would like to think that it has more, um, I don't know, that there's some more, more cosmic, deeper, uh, universal okay, meaning let's, than let's that. Go, than let's go universal a reflection of what I'm, um, what I'm focusing on, consciously or unconsciously. Well, let's go universal for a second. Um, in uh, Buddhism, there's a state called Satori, which is, the state that's called the state of enlightenment, where the internal and the external world are one thing. There's no difference. You know, it's the old Dalai Lama joke. He walks up to a hot dog stand and says, make me one with everything. Hmm. Synchronistic events, spiritually, are a tiny Satori experience. You're seeing yourself reflected in the environment. And in doing so, you bridge the sense of individual self and universal environment. The individual self is an illusion. 
you know, we, we know that it's constructed in the left parietal side of the brain, for instance. You know, if you turn that area off, people have these satori experiences. They lose a sense of individual self and become one with everything. In another sense, you know, when we get messages from the environment, I'm not a big believer in the universe on whole giving personalized messages. What I do think, though, is that our unconscious mind, the part of that supercomputer that constructs reality for us, is very consciously aware of what's going on, is amazingly intelligent. You know, the conscious part of us is about the size of a walnut on the frontal lobes of the brain, the very front. The reality we experience is sort of piped through, through to us by these massive data channels, neural networks, by the rest of the brain that constructs this for us. And the unconscious is not unconscious like in a sleep. It's automated, but it's very intelligent, and it's trying to give us information all the time. Almost everyone has had experiences where dreams, metaphorically, pass along information about what's going on in their life to them. Now, as a psychiatrist, you know that we found that much of what dreams are are memory consolidation. The brain is taking experiences that it's had consciously during the day and sort of deconstructing them and associating them and filing them away into long-term memory. And it lets us know what it's doing by creating the metaphors in dreams. And you can follow the emotions in a dream and the symbols and sort of figure out what experiences it's been working on for you. Synchronistic events work the same way. The unconscious, that deeper part of ourself that is more connected, creates these patterns for us. And they often contain information for us. But that does not mean that the universe itself is specifically talking to us. It means That's that other parts of ourselves are. That's very interesting. Okay, well, we will be back with more um, of looking at uh, events being mirrors of your mind. My guest is Dr. Kirby Surprise. He's the author of Synchronicity, The Art of Coincidence, Choice, and Unlocking Your Mind. And I'm going to be asking him when we come back how we can use this to uh, affect the 5% or so of the world around us. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, with my guest, Dr. Kirby Surprise, whose book is called Synchronicity, The Art of Coincidence, Choice, and Unlocking Your Mind. And of course, he's giving highlights from the book, but I would recommend the book because this is really a very uh, deep and interesting um, subject uh, that that has roots, of course, um, in man's history. Um, one of the parts that I, at the end of the book, you talk about you know, besides the, after exploring all these different aspects of what synchronicity is and, and from so many different ways and, and making it clearer so that we can understand it uh, better, you talk about how we can now use this uh, information in our own lives, even if it is just to control 5% of it. And I love the um, analogy that you give because Fantasia is one of my favorite movies and you talk about um, being concerned yourself of not being like the Mickey Mouse character in providing people with this information and then things getting out of control. So tell us about that. Well, um, I was trying to explain to people that, you know, if you follow your own personal myth, if you sort of take the genie out of the bottle, that you can get caught up in the meanings that you create. Um, you know, like the uh, schizophrenic client who believes that God has been talking to them for 30 years and finds out they've been looking at a mirror of what they thought was going on. In uh, Fantasia, the Sorcerer's Apprentice, Mickey gets the Sorcerer's hat and uh, then just willy-nilly starts unleashing magic that then he can't put back in the bottle again, so to speak. Um, synchronistic events are always going on. So if you choose to become aware of them, it's sort of like then not being aware that the world is round. You know, once you know what's going on, you sort of can't go back with it. Um, and the more you focus on them, the more frequent and the more intense they get. And its attitude is important because your emotional attitude gets reflected back at you as well. Um, you know, I've had people who thought that synchronistic events, you know, it violated their sense of reality, basically, to learn that the environment can talk to you if you wanted to when you're talking to yourself. And they get creeped out or concerned. Um, there's not much you can do about that. You know, if, if someone's going to be paranoid then the paranoia gets reflected back. If someone is going to be delighted, elated, and amused, that's what you get back. It becomes delightful, elating, and very amusing. So it depends on, you know, the attitude you go into it with. Um, can I offer your uh, listeners an exercise from the book that's kind of fun? Sure. Um, in, in the book, and, and by the way, uh, the joke about this book that's running around now is it's the only book ever written where the reader reads the book and the environment changes. <laughs> okay, yeah. there's, there's an exercise called the inside joke. 
Now, Shakespeare said all the world's a stage and all the men and women are merely players. Well, what if this was literally true? Now, in science fiction novels like The Matrix or Star Trek, they have holodecks or computer-generated environments where, you know, it's sort of, you know, in the last episode of every bad sci-fi program, they, they do, you know, the, either the parallel universe or the created reality plot. So imagine that you are on stage at this very moment. Now, this kind of parallels what I said about the brain creating your reality. You are actually on stage in an area of your brain's memory right now. What you think of as you and what you think of as the environment are both representations that your cosmically powerful supercomputer in your head is making for you. So you're on stage right now, and all the other actors with you are on stage as well, only you've just woken up, and you've realized that you're on stage, that the universe you're in is created for you. And it's created so that you can carry out the dramas and themes and interests that you have in your life. Now, every good theater has a stage crew. Those people in the background, behind the props, behind the walls, behind the events that come and go, that keep everything running for the actors. You have a stage crew. And behind the walls of reality, beyond time and space, there's these creative, fun, good-natured volunteers who are keeping everything running for you. And you're going to pretend that they are the ones who create the synchronistic events. They arrange what's on stage for you. Now, the other actors are mainly asleep. You don't want to disturb them. They're having a good time in their own, in their own little worlds. You, however, now that you're aware that the stage crew is running things for you, you can wave hello to them and have them create events just for you. Mm. So the inside joke is that you now know the inside joke is you're on stage and that there's a crew helping you with the production. Your first exercise is you're going to go listen to whatever you're doing normally, radio, television in the background, kids driving to work looking at the meetings on license plates or billboards, and you're going to look for a synchronistic event that is waving back at you. It's basically mm -hmm. saying, hello, we're here waiting to play the game with you. And people, you know, this is a fun exercise because within a couple of days of looking, your unconscious gets the message that you're looking for this kind of pattern. And synchronistic events start to show up. And they seem to be saying, hello, we're here. Now, inevitably, when I give this, uh, this exercise to groups of people, a few people come back within a couple of weeks and say something to the effect of, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. I didn't know there were angels running the universe or that UFOs were hanging out with super technology, creating reality or that, and I have to go, no, dude, wait a minute. Remember, we created the scenario. You came up with the plot yourself. There's nobody back there. <laughs> There's no stage crew. It's a mirror. Our brains have networks of mirror neurons. There are a special set of uh, networks in our brain that allows us to imitate other people. They allow us to think, perceive, and feel, to empathize with other people. We essentially can create personalities, you know, to run our simulations with internally. That's how you might know how your mother feels in a certain situation or how what your lover or spouse is going to feel when you tell them something because you have networks that allow you to mirror what they might be doing. We do this in the environment. The follow-up to this exercise of the inside joke is called talking to God, which is you create an assumption 
that, you know, whatever it is that runs the universe is talking directly to you. This one people cue into really fast because they've been raised with it. Because mm-hmm. almost everyone has been given a religious context that says there's one personality in the universe running everything. So you can look for that in the environment and it will respond to you. The, the tricky thing is, though, is that what's responding to you is the thing you've created, not something that's behind the mirror. It's just a mirror. Uh, we were hmm. mentioning the Could law of attraction. Could you explain that in more, like, give an example? Sure. Um, I had a, uh, a paranoid schizophrenic client who came in who, you know, when I was talking to him, didn't seem crazy. You know, he had a long history of talking about, you know, God having a special plan for him, and he was depressed. When I interviewed him, he didn't have any of the normal, you know, negative symptoms or, you know, sort of schizophrenic earmarks. And I asked him, well, you know, you're depressed, but you don't seem psychotic. What's going on? And he told me that, you know, back in his 20s, he began experiencing outrageous synchronistic events. You know, TVs and radios talked to him. People came up to him on the street asking for directions. They were really talking about things he had just been thinking. And he realized that, you know, he said that I thought God was talking to me, that I had some special purpose. And he began chasing what that special purpose was. And in short order, you know, he lost his job because people didn't want to hear that God's talking to you in the workplace. You know, his mm-hmm. friends drifted away as he became obsessed with this, and it basically ruined his life. So I told him, you know, listen, what I want you to do is I want you to go back to your room, and instead of listening to the voice of God talking to you through the TV announcer, I want you to listen as if it's Bugs Bunny or Walt Disney. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he thought I was crazy, because I told him, you know, what you're doing is you're listening to reflections of your own thought. And he went back, and he came back the next week and went, oh, my God, I've been talking to myself for 30 years. Because they did exactly that, okay? Instead of talking to Jesus, for the rest of the week, he was talking to Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny has a better sense of humor, by the way. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, uh, he realized that he was creating this, you know, and that, you know, he essentially was not schizophrenic. It's just that nobody educated him to this. Nobody teaches us as children that our thoughts do affect the environment, but it's not an ultimate thing. It's that 5%. It's like, you know, speaking of the law of attraction. You know, it's not 100%. You know, we have a 5% influence. We've always had a 5% influence. Our ancestors used to dress up as deer and dance in rituals to make the game show for the hunters. They did that not because they were ignorant, you know, or crazy or misunderstood the universe. They did that because they knew that there was a connection between what we thought and felt and what happened around us. And they were trying to use it to gain a survival edge in the universe. And what I'm telling people is what you look for shows up for you a little bit more often than normal. And by looking for the pattern that you want, you get opportunities. You know, if you're looking for a particular kind of employment or personal relationship or, you know, you're looking for that one Lionel train that's not in your collection, looking for the pattern that you actually want will give you an edge in having it actually happen. It doesn't automatically make things show up, but it tilts the odds in your favor. It's also a wonderful way of gaining self-knowledge, because if you realize that the universe itself has no inherent meaning, we give it meaning. We project meaning out onto it. Things are glorious or tragic, depending on how we interpret them. And, you know, if you know that, then you can look for the patterns that you want, not the ones that you don't want. Hmm, that's interesting. But... You probably get um, some resistance 
from people who would like to believe, whether it's uh, having to do with religion or just the general sense of the universe, you know, it doesn't have to be a particular religion, but a general sense that somebody is watching out for us, you know, and that, that the universe is giving us these clues or um, that there's a meaning, that life has meaning. Don't you have people um, who argue with you about this and, and because they want to believe that? Well, to some degree, but I'm not saying that there's no meaning, that the universe isn't, like, unified. I'm saying is it's us, that the individuality that we experience is the result of brain processing, that, you know, the universe is a whole. The universe is one being. It's one existence. Okay? It's one vast entity, so to speak doesn't necessarily mean that beyond us it's an individual conscious thing. I mean, um, Einstein tells us that, nothing, that everything is unified. There's no individual particles. It's one energy field. And I'm saying the same thing. We're not consciously aware of all that we are. In fact, there's much more to us than meets the eye, so to speak. And that synchronicity, rather than limiting our beliefs, it sort of unlimits how we have limited ourselves over time. You know, it allows us to experience our connection with the universe. It's just that All we're... Right, well, I need to sort of stop you here because we need to take a break, but we will come back to that uh, when we come back. My guest is Dr. Kirby Surprise. We're talking about synchronicity and coincidence and um, how that affects our mind or our mind affects it. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and um, I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you about synchronistic events um, with my guest, Dr. Kirby Surprise. He's the author of Synchronicity, The Art of Coincidence, Choice, and Unlocking Your Mind. And I've asked him in our concluding segment here to tie it all together, tie, tie this incredibly abstract topic together in nine minutes. Um, 
by giving, sharing how he uses, you know, he's been researching this for 30 some odd years, and how have you been able to harness it to make things happen or increase awareness in your own life? All right, so um, I'm going to give some examples that are towards the fun side, fun side instead of the more like profound side. So when, one of the things I did when I was trying to figure out if this was truly a reflection was I learned to create themes in the environment. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying is that you can pr- produce sort of myths or stories in your environment around you. Um, Joseph Campbell, the mythologist, said everybody should have a personal myth that you live by. So one of the first things I did was I'm a chess player. So I decided to see if I could actually use synchronistic events to play chess with the world itself. So I set up a chessboard in my mind, you know, pictured it, and, you know, made the first move on the board, then looked at the environment. And within a few days, I had all these chess synchronicities. You know, I met a couple of guys, guys named Mr. Bishop and uh, Mr. King, and people, people, you know, my clients were talking about feeling like pawns. And, you know, when I had all these symbols going, you know, these coincidental events around chess symbols, you know, I said, okay, let's play an actual game. And, you know, I'd say walking down the street and, uh, you know, I would, you know, see someone who reminded me of a queen and then there'd be a pawn shop and, you know, two blocks later there'd be another guy and it was like, oh, queen, you know, queen's pawn. So I would get moves out of it and I would make the moves on the internal chessboard and I actually got the environment to start playing chess with me. Now the thing was, in about three to four moves, the game fell apart. I wasn't getting coherent moves back anymore. And what happened was I don't have the kind of brain power it takes to run a chess game visually in my head. I can't see all the relationships. I'm just not good enough at it. So the game reached my limit and then fell apart. But I was able to sort of play chess in the environment, and you'd be astonished how many chess symbols there are in our everyday world. Um, At one point, I decided to see if I could make uh, patterns around electrical phenomenon happen. So uh, I looked for patterns of, you know, electrical phenomenon. I walked into a restaurant. I walked up to the counter to order a meal, and the lights went out. breaker had blown. I think, wow, that's interesting. Went out to start my car. The car wouldn't start. There was something wrong with the electrical system. I got a ride home. I sat down at the computer to write this all up because of these great coincidences. The power supply went out on the computer. Well, I had a replacement, so I replaced it. The disk drive went down. So at that point, you know, I said, okay, you'd only look for things you actually want to happen. Mm. All of these things would have happened anyway. You know, it's like whatever electrical stuff was happening was independent but timed well. And that's sort of the way synchronistic events work. Now, I had a, a guy wrote me and said, okay, well, if I'm doing this, then how come I haven't won the lottery? Yeah. Well, winning the lottery is about a million to one, and you have about a 5% influence. Kind of do the math on that one. Hmm. Synchronistic events are based on meaning. So okay, but have you ever? Do you ever use it to get something that you want in your life? I mean, not the lottery, but like let's say a promotion at work or more money or uh, the book published or oh, something. Well, I just hit the synchronistic event of the day. I was about to tell you about the book being published. I, I didn't want to sort of be you know that crass about the plug. So I wrote this book, and. Uh, when the book was actually, you know, the manuscript was actually good enough, um, publishing a book is an arduous process usually. It takes a couple of years to get an agent and find a publisher. 
as soon as this manuscript was done, I got a call from um, Waterside, which is a, a rather prestigious uh, agency. I had never wrote a letter for this book. I never made an inquiry. As soon as it was done, by rumor, I got a call. Now, this is a first-time book for me, so a first-time author. Suddenly, I have an agent that wouldn't have given me the time of day normally. Mm-hmm. And within a week of, again, making no effort whatsoever, I had a publication contract. And mm-hmm. much of the book has gone that way. Um, whatever I've needed for this to happen has shown up effortlessly. You know, beyond writing it, everything has fallen into place almost magically for this book. And, you know, my own sort of egocentric view is probably because I focused on it for so many years, mm. you know, that gradually the patterns fell into place. And mm. when I knew what I was looking for, I got that little synchronistic edge to it, and it made it much easier to get the book out. Wow, that's very interesting. So, in a sense... It is akin to a uh, law of attraction, but it's not exactly the same. It's not exactly the same. I mean, that's um, ask, believe, receive. You didn't go through any specific three-step process that you concentrated on every morning. No, no. It's very much more just a mirroring. Now, in the book, there's an explanation. You know, I don't believe in the law of attraction. What I believe is that's sort of like the flat Earth or Newtonian way of looking at the universe. What we're being told now from conventional physics is that we exist in an infinite amount of probable universes right now in the same area with us. I believe that we move between them constantly, that that's actually the way time progresses, one to the other, that our thoughts and our emotions steer us through probability. Now, we're not huge creatures. We don't physically have an infinite amount of energy. So whereas the law of attraction would basically say, you know, you can go at the speed of light anywhere you want, what I'm saying is you can go as fast as you can run for as long as you can do it. We have about a 5% change in our course through probability. That we don't do this by sort of bending time and space. We do it by automatically moving into probabilities that match our thought patterns. It requires no energy whatsoever, and it doesn't violate any conventional laws of physics at all. This entire model works perfectly with our current understanding of how the universe works. Hmm. Well, okay. So, what would well? Let's. We actually are are almost out of time. Um, you have children. Have you? Have they been following this as well? Oh, my daughter's known about this since she was born. In fact, she's bored with it. <laughs> so have they? But do they use it in their? I mean, well, they must always be looking for. Well, are they always looking for synchronistic events? Um. My, ki- my daughter plays with this like it's a toy, and she doesn't think much of it. She's an artist. Um, and when I go on about, you know, how, you know, wow, did you see that happen just now? Wasn't that great? Blah, blah, blah. She goes, yeah, Dad, yeah, 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 basically. Uh-huh. Because uh-huh. it's a normal part of a reality. She grew up with it. And, uh-huh. you know, she, her and her friends play with synchronistic events the way somebody would play Pokemon or, you know, play, uh-huh. you know, play video games, you know, because it's normal for them. I mean, okay. I feel sort of, uh, sort of out of it because, you know, my generation, this was an unexplainable miracle, basically. And to her, it's just like, yeah, and can you try me to the movie theater? <laughs> okay. But now, in your book, in the last chapter, one of the, yeah, that you call Practical Magic, you do help people to, um, to use this phenomenon 
um, in in useful ways in their lives. Yes, you know. Um, I mean, not just as a game, but that it can be used actually very consciously to um, to try to make some things happen. Yes, I believe that we develop this ability as part of our natural hunting skills. That what we seek in the environment shows up. We have a little bit of an edge, about a five percent edge. And the way people use this to get what they want is the same way our ancestors hunted. You look for what you actually want. Mm-hmm. You look for the pattern that you want to show up. Mm-hmm. If you focus on why you're not getting something or what's wrong, the pattern of why you're not getting it, what's wrong, shows up. It's, mm-hmm. self-defe- it's self-defeating. Um, you know, it's sort of the difference between, you know, Woody Allen being on the psychoanalyst couch for 25 years dealing with the same issue and behavioral therapists who basically say, well, if you want, if you want to get what you want, then you have to actually actively do something positive to get it. So, you know, if you want something in the environment, you look for the thing you actually want, not what you don't want, what you actually do want. Okay, and when, um, obviously you can get this book where books are sold, and where do you ha- what website would you like people to go to? Uh, I have a website called HowSynchronicityWorks.com. HowSynchronicityWorks.com. Right, and on it you will find both shameless plugs for the book and a bunch <laughs> of stories and a forum where I would love people to share their own stories if they're into it. Oh, that's exciting. That's great. HowSynchronicityWorks.com, Dr. Kirby Surprise. Thank you very much for your surprise insights. And this is all, I mean, you know, obviously I would recommend that people read the book because because we've touched on the highlights and you've really explained things well. But, you know, it's, it's, it's even a lot deeper than that um, that we can that can be read about in the book as to that explains all of this as well from all different angles. So thank you very much, and thank you all for listening. You haven't been listening to this show as a coincidence. There is a reason why you were attracted to today's show today. And, um, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.